Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Now, one of the issues or one of the things that God is speaking to his people about is that there are some, excuse me, he gives us the reason why we shouldn't worry. Because sometimes you can do things but not know why. Well, God gives you the reason why in the latter part of verse 34. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Notice this, trouble is real. Trouble is going to be a part of the day. But evidently, worry will not help you overcome trouble. One thing I, when I was reading this and I've never thought about before, notice that there's a certain amount of trouble assigned for each day. But God will not, excuse me, worry will not help you to defeat the worry that's assigned to that day. Evidently, worry can get into trouble. Excuse me, worry can get in the way of you overcoming trouble. And, if it, and God has a plan for each one of us to overcome the trouble that's assigned to this day. And I've, I've thought about this many times in my life. And I, excuse me, when I was reading this, I've read this many times and probably never caught hold of the fact that trouble comes in every genre of life. Everybody deals with trouble sooner or later. Whether you're in school, whether you are at workplace, whether you're on business, you're going to deal with trouble. Now, the thing is, God gives us weapons to overcome trouble. He gives us tools and prayers and he gives us fasting. He gives us his word and to overcome trouble. But the thing is, worry will hinder you overcoming trouble. Now, let's go back and look at our thoughts for the day. First of all, anxiety is a state of mind that can cause believers and non-believers to have, excuse me, to have on feelings of being stressed, uneasiness, worrying, and feeling uh, feelings of hopelessness. Anxiety is that state of mind that affects believers as well as non-believers. So in turn, they deal with things such as stress, uneasiness, worrying, and feelings of hopelessness. And you, you probably ran across people that have dealt with anxiety. You probably have dealt with anxiety yourself. I know I have. And I pray that we never have to deal with it again after this teaching we've been receiving. Whenever we are dealing with troublesome matters, in my opinion, it opens the door for feelings of distress, anxiety, frustration, and overall unhappiness. And we see this in Matthew 6 and 34. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Sufficient for the day is its own distress, anxiety, frustration, whatever you deal with when it comes to that, whatever the trouble is, when it comes to being twisted from the norm, annoying, irritating, and worrisome. Troublesome things can take place in the individual's life. Stress and anxiety can be leading cause of oppression and depression, which can cause a person to inflict self-harm or harm to others. We look at stress and anxiety can be a leading cause of oppression 
and depression. Depression is the feelings of unhappiness. It's the feeling of misery, sadness, discouragement, which can cause a person to inflict self-harm or harm to others. And we don't need to be a person that deals with oppression and depression on our own. We know God can help all of us deal with it and will help us all to defeat it. In my opinion, Jesus knew the seriousness of worrying, which is why he, he was so direct in saying, do not worry in Matthew 6 and 31. Matthew 6 and 31, you read the top of your sheet there. Therefore, do not worry. Don't, do not be, don't let anxiety take control of your life. Don't get worked up over stuff that doesn't really matter in your life. Don't lose sleep over trying to figure out things that you can't do anything about. Don't get upset or easily upset with people and things and so forth that would try to bring you, take you out of the will of God. Don't let uneasiness be a part of your everyday life. In fact, Jesus was so adamant about it. He says it in 31. In Matthew 6 and 25, he says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about the body. What you will put on is not the life more than food and the body more than clothing. He also goes on to deal with it in verse 28 when he says this. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lids of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. So he's very adamant that he does not want us to worry. Why does he not want us to worry? One of the reasons is, of course, we said this earlier, because there's trouble that we got to deal with on a day-by-day basis. He doesn't want you to worry. He doesn't want you to be upset. And I thought about it from this standpoint. God you got enough to deal with, but worry is something we can self-inflict on ourselves. And instead of us trying to defeat the trouble that we got to deal with, now we're self-inflicting ourselves with worry. And so now we got to defeat not only the trouble, but the worry too. And, and let me say this to you. I got enough enemies instead of me self-inflicting myself. Thank God. So I got two amens right there. I got enough going on instead of me trying to add stuff to myself that the devil ain't. Listen, the devil said, ooh, he, they got worry going on now. That's less they got to do. Because why? We're self-inflicting ourselves. And we don't need to do that. After the Lord emphasized how valuable we are in comparison to the birds of the grass, he further indicates he understands our needs based on Matthew 6 and 32. Notice Matthew 6 and 32 reads as follows. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. The Father knows that we need all these things. What things? Well, something to eat, something to drink, and something to wear. He knows those things are something that is required. It is a want, it is a lack, excuse me, this, when you have a need, you have a lack of something required, something desired, and something that is useful. And what and we all know that when you, what you eat, what you drink, and what you wear are definitely useful. So why are we stressing? Why are we going through all these changes when the Father says, I will provide those needs for your life? I will provide. That's why Paul reminds us that only those that the Lord, that the Lord not only knows our need, but he has made a commitment to supply all of our needs in Philippians 4.19. Go to Philippians 4.19. He's made a commitment to supply all the needs. Philippians 4, 19 reads as follows. 
And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So he has made a commitment to furnish, to complete, have nothing wanting, to be, uh, to have all of our needs fulfilled in our lives according to his riches and glory. We must learn how to trust him in that process. And I promise you, it takes time to learn how to trust God to provide your needs. It's, it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to trust him with it. I can tell you all day long to trust God to supply your need, but you got to learn how to believe him for what he says. One way we do that is by receiving his written and revealed word of God and looking at the testimony of others in scripture that he provided the needs for. And God's been doing it for years and he continues to do it. And one thing about it, the Bible says this, it rains on the just as well as the unjust. That means God has been doing it and he's been providing not only the saints need, but unsaved people needs as well. That's, you see the rain, you see the food, you see the clothing. People out there in the world get the same thing that believers do in, in the house of God. God has been providing needs supernaturally for years. Now, the Lord reiterates again in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Let's go back to there. Matthew 6 and 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying what we should eat or what we should drink. Excuse me, what should we eat or what should we drink or what should we wear? See, he reiterates again these particular verses that we should not worry. We should not be anxious, stressed out, getting worked up, losing sleep, trouble, and to take the life out. When Take, what do you mean by take the life out? In other words, you can't really enjoy life when you're worried about different things going on in your life. It, you, it's hard to enjoy a good meal when you're worried about things going on. It's hard to watch a good movie when you're enjoying things going on. You, it's good. It's hard to do enjoy the things that God came to give us when we are anxious, stressed out, getting worked up. Dealing with oppression and depression and the different things that come along with worry when we do it, when we don't do what God tells us to do. In my opinion, we are dealing with situations that cause stress and anxiety where we realize it or not. We could, we are, we come, excuse me, we become like the Gentiles in Matthew 6 and 32. Notice Matthew 6 and 32. For all these things do the Gentiles seek. Now, when you look at that, What's, you got to ask the question. First of all, what's wrong with seeking what, something to eat, something to drink, and what you wear? You cannot let that become your first priority. You cannot let that consume your life, and that's all you think about is what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, and what you're going to drink. You can't let, you can't, because if not, it will dominate your life to the point that you cannot function the way that you need to. So what well, we can't be like the Gentiles, and I believe that was the problem. The way I study it, that was what's wrong with the Gentiles. They had their priorities in the wrong place, which kept the door way open for worry to overtake them. For their primary concern, what was most important to them was what they eat, what they drink, and what they wear. That's almost like a worldly, uh, a worldly situation. But I believe there are people in the body of Christ that go through the same type thing. They're more concerned about what they eat, what they wear, and what they put on than they are about what God is doing in their life. And that can be a problem right there. Because, see, you think about this. They they worry about what it takes in order to get that. What do you mean? They'll work extra overtime in order to get 
these few dollars so they can have something to eat, drink, and put on. When they don't trust God, they say, God, you know what? I'm going to step aside. I'm going to put you first, and then I can receive what you want me to have. That, that takes trust right there. That takes trust. That takes a lot of trust, and you have to learn. You have to, excuse me, you have to have the faith in order to walk in that particular faith. When we make people, places, jobs, etc., our priority, in many instances, we focus our time, our intellect, our energy, and our emotion into that, into that, excuse me, into that important matter of our lives. Our focal point, our center of attention is toward those particular items, what we eat, what we drink, and what we wear. The problem can come when our focus gets off target from the true priorities. When we put more emphasis on things outside of the will of God than we do God, that can become a problem. It can become a problem. Now, there's nothing wrong with what you eat and what you drink and what you wear. I thank God for food. I thank God for drink. I thank God for what I wear. But I realize I cannot seat those first. And this is how do you, how do you know that, Pastor Dom? Because Jesus told me that. There's some things I don't have to figure out why. If he tells me I shouldn't worry about it, I'm not going to worry about it. I don't have to know everything why. But he tells me why because there's trouble in the day. So i got to make sure that my focal point is back on seeking him first. So I believe that's why the Lord, the Lord knew that misplaced uh, priorities can cause people to pursue things that create a space for anxiety and trouble to become established as a natural part of living. That's why he, he addressed this matter, matter in Matthew 6 and 33. Again, he knew people would incorrectly position themselves and become temporary laws in their priorities. They would get things all confused and all out of misalignment because they don't have their priorities, their main concern in the right place. And so they lose, they, they, the center of attention is gone. They, they, they focus in on things that really not going to help them more than the God who can help you. And he said he's going to provide the needs. So now Jesus is clear and concise when he says, we have to seek God first. Seek God first. Not only seek God first, seek God and his righteousness. First, make Jesus the chief and the principal thing in your life. Make him number one. When Jesus is not number one, there's problem in people's lives. You will notice this. You, I, listen, you ain't got to tell people. Sooner or later, people going to know Jesus is not number one in your life. You're going to treat him almost like a secondhand citizen. We will make, listen, people will, when you got to find yourself making room for Jesus, something wrong with that picture. That means Jesus has got misplaced in your life. Jesus would be the one, listen, you got to make room for everything else because Jesus is our first priority. Whatever Jesus wants in my life, he is going to be my first priority. And you need to know that. You need to have that in your spirit. That's why he says, seek first. Make him the chief or the principal thing, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness means his condition. Find the things that are acceptable by God. The correct way of thinking, talking, and acting. God's way of doing things. Those things that are approved by God. We've got to do it God's way. we got to do it God's way. Why? Because when we do it God's way, he'll take care of the needs. 
When we do it God's way, you will find out you're dealing less with worry, less with stress, and less with anxiety. Your priorities and your focal point will be in the right place. And that is so important for many of us. And I've learned this too. When you see God first, you think better. You talk better and you act better. Your decisions are not based on what you think, but it's based on what the word is saying in our lives. When it comes to our schoolwork, when it, you could be in school. You got to seek God first. You say, God, it's got to be done this way. I can't let my the peer pressure of the people that I go to school with who don't want to do right cause me to get off track. Because if not, I know I won't stay in school long. Other people get away with stuff that I can't get away with. And that's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. Because you're a child of the Most High God. You are a child of Jesus, and there's some things you cannot get away with, unlike others who are out there in the world. And you say, it ain't fair that I get treated like this. Life is not fair. And life will not treat you fair neither. So we got to make sure that we seek God's first. His the conditions accepted by God to correct way of thinking, talking, and acting, God's way of doing things, and those things are approved by God. We strive to have a daily focal point that seeks God's way of thinking, talking, and acting. I, I, let me say this to you. Your life will become a whole lot better. When you seek in order to find, when you crave after and you require God's way of thinking, talking, and acting, listen, your life going to be a whole lot better. And as we seek him first, we'll become a powerful witness to our friends, our colleagues, our business, uh, our business colleagues, supervisors, people at school, children, family members, etc. We become a powerful witness when we put God first in our everyday life. And as we make a daily commitment to pursue Jesus, our faith in him reduces opportunity for word to remain in our thoughts, our conversation, our decision making, and so forth. It takes a mustard seed faith, as noted in Matthew 17 and 20, to move mountains of word. Go to Matthew 17, if you don't mind, with Matthew 17, verse 20. When you seek God first, when you put him first in every area of your life, Before you go and do it, you say, God, I need to acknowledge you in all my ways, and you will direct my path. Before I buy, I must seek you first. Before I I get involved in this relationship, I got to seek you first. Before I make this money decision, I got to seek you first. Before I go on this trip, I need to seek you first. Before I do anything, I need to seek you first. No matter what it will pass out, it's something simple. It don't matter. If you learn how to seek God on the simple things, you'll learn how to do it on the big things. The problem is we don't get in a pattern of seeking God. And so when tough times come, we go back to what we know. And sometimes what we know get us in trouble. I, I, I thought I heard five amen. Let me, let me try. Let me try, can I get five more uh, on this. The way we do things sometimes get us in trouble. Am I, am I right about that? Thank you, my sister. Hallelujah. Do you understand that seeking God's way is the best way? The best way. The best way. Matthew 17, verse 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, which surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Do you notice that nothing will be impossible? It ain't, take, it ain't talking about grace. Uh, uh, 
watermelon faith. It's talking about mustard seed faith. Mustard seed faith is one. Mustard seed is, according to uh, study, is one of the smallest seeds that's out there. But yet, you can take mustard seed faith and move mountains. Isn't that wonderful? That means my assurance, my conviction of the truth in God's word, belief with fidelity can move mountains. And you know, if it can move mountains, I can ask God to take care of my what I wear, what I drink, and what I put on, and he'll take care of that. So I know if he'll do that for me, he'll take care of other areas of my life as well. We're not limited to this. We're not limited in what God does for us. God is doing great things in our life. When we do it God's way, we're not anxious about what we eat or what we drink or what we wear. So we can focus our main attention on Jesus. Because Jesus is our deliverer. Jesus is our healer. Jesus is our protector. Jesus is our prosperity. Jesus is our way maker. And this is what you need to know. When you learn how to seek God first, if in all your ways acknowledge him and he direct your path, even if you get off track a little bit, God is big enough to get you back on track. Some of us can testify to the fact we have been off track, but God got us back on track again. Oh, I appreciate the fact. I appreciate the fact that Lord knows I'm not perfect. I don't do things always the right way. But God has got enough mercy and grace. And he got enough power too. Y'all know God is strong enough to get you back on track. I don't care how big you are and how bad you are. God is still big enough to get you back on track. To get you back on the right pathway. To get you in the way that you should go. And when you're old, you're not the part. God loves you enough to... Oh, thank you, God. He loved me enough to get me back on track. Isn't it good to know that God loved you enough to get you back on track? That even though you mess up, and I've been guilty of messing up, but when we repent and ask God to forgive us, he is big enough and strong enough to get you back on track, even when other people don't even recognize you back on track. I love the fact that God will get you back on track, and even your own family will say, you know, they still jacked up. You're like, oh, hold on. You may think I'm jacked up, but I'm glad he looks at my heart. Woo, glory be to God. You can ask God to forgive you and still get in trouble, but still be in right standing with God. You can ask God to forgive you. He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Won't hold anything against you. You can still be grounded for another two more days. But God will still love you during this all that time. That's how. That's the God we love. I mean, God we serve. And he loves his people. He loves his people. How many know God loves us? How many know he's a deliverer, a healer, protector? He's our prosperity, our way maker, our peace, and our joy. And I, I can't even put all the words he is on one sheet of paper. He's Jehovah Raha, Jehovah Sikkanu, our strong high tower, our banner. He is Jesus, the one true and living God. He is the King of kings and what? The Lord of lords. That's why we read and, and conclude in this particular point. Jesus stated in Matthew 6 and 33, the things that we once that were once our priority before we shifted our focus, those things will be added to us as long as we keep him first. They're going to be joined to us and gathered with us. Things that you need in life, God will add those things to you. He will add those things to you. Never underestimate what God can do in your life. Overcoming trouble by not being anxious. 
what we're going to do, we're going to put him first in every area of our lives. Amen? I'm not standing your feet. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.